Just get me back, bro. Just get me back. Praise God. We on? All right. Yep, those were the days. How many love to look back on the days when you could do a lot of things you can't do now? I still tell those guys, though, when I have a good day and I score a lot of points, I said, you didn't want me when I was 22. If I can do this to you at 41, you didn't want me when I was 22. But those days are becoming less frequent now. And uh, I've been having a great time since we got here. Pastor Dustin's been treating me great, been hanging out. Got off the plane, went straight to the gym to play basketball. That's a good trip. Went to the YMCA. I do have to put myself on blast, though. I came out of the gym. We were tired. I played a bunch of games. And uh, there's two bathrooms there, men and women. And I just glanced real quick and went, opened the door, walked in a few steps, saw a lady blow-drying her hair. Thank God, that's all I saw. If, you, if it was on video camera, they saw a flash. Get right back out of that bathroom and go into the right one. I know nobody's ever done that here. Thank God she, no one was in there except her. I don't think she saw me. I don't think anybody saw me go in. Today we're in a perverted generation. You've got to be careful with those mistakes, right? You get in big trouble. But I'm so thankful to be here. My wife, Kristen and Destiny, all send their love and uh, said to say hi. Our church in Texas and Denton says hi. I've got a great uh, announcement this morning. Just as we're having church, we're an hour ahead, so they're uh, already having it. Uh, But this morning, we are having our first service of our new church plant. Pastor Dylan and Ashley are having their first service this morning in Carrollton, Texas, right now. So we've already sent them out. They've already got a house. They've got sound. They've got chairs. They've got a projector. They've got a screen. They've got everything. Now they just need people. Amen. So uh, be praying for them. I'm excited to hear a report. We had an outreach yesterday. About 20 of our people from our church went over to Carrollton and uh, got that started. So we're really, really excited about what God is going to do in in Carrollton, Texas. Amen. Be praying, praying for that city. How many came this morning tired? I know all the workers are tired. Amen. You you could sense that uh, a little bit in the praise and worship, but then that choir gets up and just brings it all together. Amen. Thank God for that wonderful choir. How many have ever seen the, the show Undercover Boss? Anybody a fan of that show? If you've never seen Undercover Boss, I recommend you watch the show. And uh, I want to I use an example this morning as I lead in. I believe the, the Lord's given me a word that will really bless you this morning. I believe that you're going to walk out um, excited. You're going to walk out with a, with a touch in your heart and your life. And uh, the other night, me and Kristen were watching one of those. And uh, it's one of my favorite shows. I don't watch it a lot, but when I get to watch it, you, you always get done watching that show and you feel better about life. And if you've never seen it, what it is is these CEOs or owners of companies will, will go into their franchises and they'll uh, act like an employee. And uh, they go in and, and uh, I, I think Pastor Jones might like to do that sometimes, go into some of our churches and act like a regular church member, see what's going on in our churches, Amen. And he goes in there, and uh, the, the, the CEO goes in, and, and they disguise themselves as somebody that's just a regular employee. And then they'll go and check out, you know, how the business is going and how they're running it and uh, how they're doing things. So this particular one we were watching, it was a lady, and her husband founded a massage uh, company, a therapeutic massage company. It was nationwide. So she's going into these different places, and they go in, and they start meeting the employees. 
They start talking to them and they start asking, you know, how, how do you like your job and what do you like about this and what don't you like about it? And they just begin to build a relationship with them. And, and uh, in this particular one, they're going a break. And this one uh, guy was working there and he loved the job, but he wasn't making enough money. He was working like two or three jobs. So they go on a break and they begin to talk about uh, what was going on uh, in their lives. And it's really interesting because these people, how many have ever noticed that sometimes it's easier to open up to somebody you don't know than it is to somebody you know? It just amazes me how these, these employees just start opening up to this person they've never met before. And they start sharing about their lives. And this particular man began to say, the lady began to say, you know what, what, what's your life like and what do you do? He said, well, my sister 10 years ago was shot and killed and she left a daughter and a son at two or five years old. And ever since that day, I have been raising them. And until they're 18, that's my, my, my goal in life is to raise those two, that niece and that nephew. And uh, it just really touched the, the CEO to hear that this man was carrying the burden of those two kids, of his sister. And he began to cry. He began to break down. And the thing I love about the show is it shows how real people are. How many real people we got in here this morning? People with real problems, real troubles, real hurts, real struggles, real trials. And she began to talk to him. And then what they'll do at the end of the show, if you haven't seen it, is they'll go and interview those people at the end and they'll reveal to themselves that they're the, they're the CEO. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad because sometimes they've badmouthed the company or said something bad about the things and they, they're like, oops. But the cool thing about it is, is there's a redemption in these owners and they never focus on the negative. They just always seem to find something positive about what these people have done. And in this particular one, this man gets before her and she says, I want to help you. She says, I want to I help you with your situation. I want to give you a better uh, uh, salary. And I want to help you with those kids that you're raising. I want to give you $30,000 to help raise those kids. And that man just begins to cry. He just begins to, he doesn't even know what to say. He just wants to hug her. He doesn't have any other response than that. And, and, and how many know this morning our answer might not be in $30,000? But I believe this morning that we're living in a generation that needs hope. Amen. Pastor Marshall said it at the at the prayer time. We need hope. I'm not I don't have to ask you to raise your hand this morning because every single one of us in this place this morning at some time in our life, at least once, at least once, probably more than once, have been in a place of our lives. where We have felt hopeless. Hopeless, feeling like there's no way out, feeling like there's no hope. There's nothing worse in the world than to be hopeless. Can you say amen? Amen. So I want to preach this morning just for a few minutes on hope. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And, And sometimes all we need is just a little bit of hope. Amen. We just need just a little bit of hope. But I want to tell you this morning that a lot of times when we come into church, One of the things I love the most about our fellowship and about our church and about how we operate is that we're real people and we have real problems and we we don't try to put on that religious look. We realize that we're all just messed up people. Do I got any messed up people in here? Amen. Come on. You might as well raise your hand before somebody elbows you. Amen. It says, get your hand up. You're messed up. 
We've got some problems in here this morning. We come in, we put on our Sunday best, we praise and we worship and we, we love God and everything, but we've got problems. And, and I want to I tell you something, that the most amazing thing about the Bible to me is it's full of people with problems. It's, that's what's so awesome about it is because this Bible is a Bible of redemption. It's a Bible of hope. It's a Bible of second chances, third chances, 20th chances. Some of us are on our 30th chances. Amen. It's the grace of God that he just keeps on giving us another chance to make it in life. And I want to kind of show you just real quick how messed up people in the Bible are to give us hope that as messed up people, we can have hope. And maybe some of you right now when I said that said, well, I'm tuning out because I'm not messed up. You're the one I'm talking to. So don't tune me out. Amen. The one who thinks they're not messed up is usually the most messed up. Amen. I'm not saying you have to have a drug addiction or something powerful. But we're, we need help. That's why Jesus came. Amen. Last time I checked, Jesus came for the sick. He didn't come for the healthy and the healed. Amen. But look at this. Look at this summary. If we were to look for some biblical candidates this morning of who could be in leadership... You know, we look for people who have it together. We look for people who are trying to live for God. And we look at certain qualities in people's lives. I want to tell you, if you began to look at the Bible and began to look for candidates for ministry, let me show you what you'd find. Let's start off with Adam. Adam had, was a good man, but his wife was troublesome. Okay, he had trouble with his wife. Adam's out. Noah pastored for 120 years with no converts. 120 years. He had a problem with the bottle and, he, and, and a wayward son, and he had moral problems. Noah's out. Abraham was scandal-ridden, would offer his wife to other men, and was a child abuser. Oh, it got quiet in here. Read the Bible. I didn't say he abused his child. He was, just, he was just accused of it. Joseph, he was too much of a dreamer. And he had a prison record. Out. Moses was a poor communicator. Stuttered and had a, still to this day has an unanswered murder charge. Out. David had an affair with his neighbor's wife. Hired a hitman to kill her husband. Out. Solomon, husband of more than one wife. Matter of fact, the parsonage they built for Solomon could not hold his wives. Elijah was prone to depression and nervous breakdown. He's out. Elisha, reported to have lived with a single woman, single widow at a former church. Some of y'all need to read your Bible. Hosea. Our congregation could not handle his wife's occupation. (laughs) Jeremiah was emotionally unstable. He was an alarmist. He was negative. He was a lamenter. He was reported to have buried underwear on a foreign riverbank. Claims to have a set of recreated original documents. Out. Isaiah had language problems on the fringe and claimed to see angels. Are y'all noticing that I'm reading Bible characters? Hopefully as I'm reading these, you're beginning to be a little more easy this morning and think, you know what? There is hope for me. (laughs) 
my gosh, these people are in the Bible. Because you know what? That's what the devil does. He wants to get us to a place to make us think we can't do anything for him because we've messed up, because we've made mistakes. That's what he wants us to do, because he's a liar. Jonah refused to preach to the lost unless he was forced by God. He's out. Amos was backward and unpolished, did not like the rich. He's out. John would not dress like a Baptist. (laughs) Had a weird diet and would provoke higher powers. Peter had a bad temper, cursed, was a hypocrite in racial matters, and just a loose cannon. Paul was a murderer and preached way too long. People would fall asleep while he was preaching. Timothy was too young, and he was single. He's out. Jesus himself. Watch out. Jesus himself dwindled the church of 5,000 down to 12. And he would always offend folks. He's out. Remember, we're looking for ministerial candidates here. So I I propose to you this morning, Judas. Judas is the best candidate. His references are good. He has good connections. He knows how to handle money. And he has compassion for the poor. And we're going to have him preach here next Sunday. He's got good possibilities. We're going to give him a chance to try out for the church. Does that sound good? (laughs) Think about that. Think about all the people I just read. And, And in our day and age, the people who would seem the most fit for ministry and for serving God would be Judas who was the one who was the farthest from it. And the people who were the messed, most messed up and had the most problems were the people who did amazing things for God. I want to tell you this morning, there's hope for you. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your finances. There's hope for your family. There's hope for you to have another chance. There's hope for you to still see your dreams fulfilled. There's hope this morning because God is a God of second and third, and 15th, and 25th chances this morning. Can you say amen? And I know somebody in here wants to grab onto that right now. So I want, I want just for a few minutes, if you'll go to your Bibles in Matthew 26, I began to pray and say, Lord, who in the Bible is the most messed up? Who had the least amount of hope? And there's a lot of candidates. But I, I began to, and I, I'm not saying I'm right on this, but I want to I want to talk about one man this morning who I think, in my own opinion, was the, was the man who at one point in his life had the least amount of hope. And remember, hope deferred makes the heart sick. We need hope this morning. As you're getting there to Matthew 26, we're going to look at verse 31. And Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Now we're going to begin to look at the loose cannon here. Peter answered and said, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Peter was good, like many of us are, about speaking before we think. Right? Just just blow it out. And then we wish we could retract it. Peter just said, no, Jesus, I am not going to disown you. I am not going to do these things. I will never stumble. 
There's your biggest fault right there. If you ever say, I'll never stumble, you're in trouble. You can, you can want to never stumble. You could strive to never stumble. But you should never say, I'll never stumble. Because if you look at the Bible, some of the best men and women ever that ever lived stumbled. Now, that's not a, a, a reason to kind of have a crutch or say, you know, I can stumble and get away with it or I can just fall and get back up. But it's an understanding that we need to watch out what we say and we need to stay humble. And we need to keep a heart and an attitude of that I cannot make it without God. I cannot make it without Jesus. I am nothing without Him this morning. Amen? And, and the great thing is, is hope is, is believing for something that you don't have. And so the awesome thing is God has whatever you need this morning. You just have to connect your faith with it and believe it. And God is going to make a way today where there seems to be no way because we have a God who is the God of hope. He is the God of hope. So Peter says, I'll never do this. I'll never stumble. And Jesus says, Peter, assuredly I say to you this night. Now as I'm reading this real quick, I want you to make sure that you don't turn me off because you've heard this story before. A lot of times in church we say, oh, I've heard this story before. Did you know that you can read a story in the Bible and look at it 55 different ways, 1,000 different ways? Every time I read the Bible, every time I study, every time I hear a message, every time I preach, God shows me something different. Why? Because my heart is open to what God is saying to me through his spirit. I just preached a message Sunday or Wednesday night. I was amazed. I'm amazed every day at the Holy Spirit. I preached a message Wednesday night on faithfulness and tithing and, and money, and we don't do that very often, but... We, we do it to teach the people, uh, you know, how to give and how to know what to give and why we give. And I preached and I was amazed in the middle of the message. I stopped and said, I've never preached on this in 23 years. That's amazing. When you can be preaching for 23 years or 21 years, actually. Uh, actually, yeah, 23. 23 years. And uh, I said, I've never preached on this before. It's not that it wasn't there. It's that God had not revealed it to me yet. So it's exciting to know that his, li- his word is alive and that, that you don't, should never come on a Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night and say, man, I've heard that. Open up your Bibles to this story. Oh, I've heard that. And you tune out and open up your phone, begin to look at something else or, 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 or go think about what you're going to eat after. God has something fresh every single time we read the word. Amen. Amen? And if you're here this morning and you have ears to hear, God will give you a message that will change your life. Not because I'm preaching or because somebody else is preaching, but because his word is being preached. And it's alive and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it divides this morning your soul and your spirit, flesh and spirit. And it gets in there and it teaches you and it shows you things that you've never seen before. So don't turn me off because you've heard this story about Jesus and Peter. Okay, listen up. He says, you're going to deny me three times. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times, verse 34. And verse 35, Peter says, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying, Jesus, I'm not going to deny you. We should all be saying that. Jesus, I'll never leave you. Jesus, I'm going I'm to stay. I'm, I'm, I'm in this to, to finish. I'm, I'm, I'm here. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we don't have the backup, if we don't follow up the statement with commitment, if we don't have the follow through, if we don't make a decision every day when we wake up, I'm going to serve God today. 
you can fall. Amen. You can get to a place of hopelessness. You can get to a place where you think, man, I'm done. I'm finished. There's nothing I can do. There's nowhere I can go. There's no change that I can make in my life. I have messed up too bad. I want to talk just for a minute before I continue in these verses to every single one of you this morning. And I want you to hear me out. God has a hope for you this morning. If there's something we need today, you know, we have all these attacks going on around the world. People are in public places at movies or at at shows or at concerts, and all of a sudden they're, 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 they're dying just at public places. We have all kinds of instability going on. We have a world that is losing hope every day. And more than ever, the church and his people, the church and the body of Christ, needs to rise up and be, just like Pastor Marshall was saying, that hope. That meal on Friday night was the best meal many people ate all week. There was hope that night. There was hope because they were in a warm place. They got warm clothes. They got warm food. And I want to tell you something this morning. It's not just the people outside of the church that are hurting. Many times it's people in the church that are hurting. And it's people in the church that are the workers and the laborers that God needs to reach the harvest. But the harvest is not going to be reached if the laborers have no hope. We need hope. As workers, we need hope. I'm showing you a story of Peter as a worker. Peter's a worker, and he's, he, we're seeing something build up here where he's going to begin to be challenged by Jesus. He says, I'll serve you, I'll serve you. Jesus says, no, you are going to deny me. You're going to deny me. That's kind of like when, when a word comes to us that's really strong, and our flesh doesn't want to receive it. But our spirit says, give it to me. Amen? And then if we can get the spirit to receive it and resist the flesh, something happens in us and we get challenged and we get changed for God. But if that change doesn't happen, then that, that, that correction comes and it's taken the wrong way. Jesus was correcting Peter. Think about this for a second. Jesus was predicting that he was going to deny him because Jesus is God. But Peter could have taken the correction at that moment, because really what Jesus was saying was, you're putting the cart before the horse. You're saying something you can't back up. And the reason he was saying that is because Jesus knew Peter's heart. We got to get to a place as believers and children of God that we don't try to fool God anymore. Come on. Amen or woe is me. We got to get to a place where we stop saying, hey, you know, I can fool my wife, I can fool my family, I can fool my church, but I can't fool God. I cannot say that enough. You, you must live a relationship with the Lord where you're uncovered because you are. Be real with God. Be open with God. Let God speak to you. And when he speaks to you, say, you're right, Lord. You know what? I, I probably will deny you. And if he'd have changed his heart there, we don't ever realize what could happen in a moment of conviction and reaction to the conviction that could change our lives and save us from great distress and save us from great problems. Do you know a lot of times we're in hopeless situations because of situations we've put ourselves in? I'm not saying always. There's lots of situations that it's just out of hand and things are, our problems are going on, but 
there's a lot of times that we put ourselves in that place because we don't receive the correction from God and the Holy Spirit when he's checking his heart right here. Y'all following me? He says, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. So the second time, Jesus just says, okay, and move on. Now go over with me, if you would, to verse 69. Same chapter. And as we get there, everybody that knows the story, we're talking about Peter here, the loose cannon. They come to get Jesus in the garden. They're praying. They come to get Jesus. And when they go to grab him, Peter acts in the flesh, grabs a sword or a knife and cuts off the soldier's ear. Jesus grabs his ear, puts it back on, heals it, and says, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. Now, Peter was a good guy to have with you if it was going to go down. You ever been in that situation where it's about to go down? Peter was a good person to have. When I was growing up, I had a lot of friends that liked it to go down. I can, I can fight. I can defend myself. I'm big, and I can, I, can, I, can, I can throw some punches. But a lot of times growing up, I didn't have to throw very many punches because my friends were doing the, doing the work. They got in there quick. I sometimes had to do a little pushing, you know. But Peter was the kind of guy you wanted to have around when it was going down because he had your back. But he was, in the, he was in the flesh. So he grabs his knife, cuts off the ear, loose cannon. Jesus says, that's not what we're doing here. So Peter, can you imagine how Peter felt after he made that mistake? We need to relate to Peter as, as ourselves. We need to say, man, I've been there. I have acted in the flesh. I have, I have reacted. I have, I've put my foot in my mouth. I've done something I shouldn't have done. I've said something I shouldn't have said. And Peter at that moment begins to walk in the place of hopelessness. But think back for a second. What if Peter would have listened to Jesus' rebuke? Maybe he would not have cut his ear off. I always like to look at what happens and what could have happened in a situation. That's how you learn, right? You learn from your mistakes. How many know it's better to learn from your mistakes than make them again? I'm a learner. I like to learn. I like to look at a situation and learn and then say, okay, I've messed up there before. I'm going to make sure I do everything possible to not mess up there again. And so now, though, because he didn't take that rebuke or that, or that correction, now he's in a place of danger. And verse 69 says, Now Peter sat out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and says, You were also here with Jesus of Galilee. Now notice this was not a big 6'5", 280-pound man. This was a servant girl. Peter had just cut off a soldier's ear. Peter's not afraid of a fight. But here's the danger. Hopelessness is a place of danger. You cannot stay in a place of hopelessness hopelessness very long. Because if you stay in a place of hopelessness, you're vulnerable to the enemy. Now a man who has just cut off a person's ear and was ready to fight is now denying, verse 70, he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you're saying. He denies to a servant girl that he even knew Jesus. Are you you seeing that picture? Are you seeing a group of soldiers, men with shields and and swords, coming towards the disciples, a humongous group, and Peter steps back and puts his fists up and says, let's do this to a bunch of soldiers? 
And now a servant girl says, you are with Jesus. He says, I don't know who you're talking about. He was in a place of hopelessness. Verse 71. And when he had gone out to the gate, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied, look at this, with an oath. I do not know the man. Watch this. Now, here's the danger. Now, he's gone from boldness for Jesus to a place of hopelessness to a place of denial. And now he's denying with boldness. Let me say that again. Now he's denying with boldness. He was serving God boldly. He was, I'll never deny you, Lord. I'll never leave you. I'm going to the death with you. I'll go to prison with you. And now because of a situation of hopelessness, he is now boldly claiming, I am not a Christian. I do not know that man. Y'all see the difference? Do you see what hopelessness can do to you? Hopelessness is a dangerous situation because hopelessness doesn't affect just you. Hopelessness affects everybody around you. Because when you're in a place of hopelessness, you draw everybody into that black hole with you. You affect everybody else around you. And if we're really being real here this morning, and we're really thinking about the life we live for Jesus, our, our goal and our plan and our purpose is not to pull people into a black hole. It's to take people out of the black hole into the light. So we cannot stay in a place of hopelessness because that is not God's will for us. God's will is hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So we've got to stay in a place of hopefulness. We've got to stay hopeful. We've got to stay believing. God, you can change me. And we see one more time in verse 73. A little later, those who stood up and came and said to Peter, Surely you are one of them. For your speech betrays you. Look what he does. He goes back to his old ways. He began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man, and immediately a rooster crowed. It's funny how people say people can't backslide. It's funny to me when we see Peter himself backslide. Peter denies Jesus three times. He says, I do not know this man you're talking about. He's cursing. He's swearing. He's gone back to his old ways. And it didn't take very long. You know, going back to your old ways is just like going back to gain weight you've lost. It takes a long time to lose weight. It takes a whole little bit of time to gain it back. Can you say amen? amen. If I could just say no to that cheesecake, I could dunk again. I know I could still dunk. If I could just put that fork down, I tell people I work out so I can eat. When I get to a place I can't work out anymore, I'm going to have to change the way I eat. But how many know it takes a long time to lose weight? takes a long time to get a prayer life. takes a long time to get a discipline of reading the Word. takes a long time to get to where you learn how to witness. takes a long time to get that understanding of tithing and being faithful. All these things take a long time, but it does not take long to fall. You can fall real quick. You make a bad decision. 
And then you make another bad decision. Two or three bad decisions and you're falling. Now watch. I'm not talking about some sinner here. This is why I chose Peter as being the person with the least hope in the Bible. Because Peter was Jesus' right-hand man. Jesus was one of the three. How many have ever been in? Like you got friends and you're like in the group, right? And then when you're in the group, you're like really in. Like, I know that person. We're close. What's funny today is we know people today by Facebook, but we've never met them. We're like, yeah, me and him are friends. We go way back. (laughs) Never actually met the person in person, but you go way back, right? That's the generation we live in. Peter was in. Peter was really in. Whenever Jesus did something really powerful and really important, he would call Peter, James, and John and pull them aside. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody here this morning who maybe feels like, you know what, I've made so many mistakes, I've lost my ministry, I've lost my hope, I've lost the chance to do something great for God. No, you haven't. Peter did this. Peter was as close to God as you can get. He was in the group of the group. And now, he is at his most hopeless moment in his life because he hears that rooster crow. And everything he said he wouldn't do, he's done. Look what the next verse says. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus. I want you to stop here just for a second. Peter remembered the word of Jesus. If we'll just listen to that rebuke or that correction the first time, We won't have to hear it again and remember it sitting in a jail cell. Remembering it back behind on the bills because we've lost our job. Remembering it when we've lost our relationship with somebody close to us. Remembering it when all things have gone down. How about remembering it at the moment he speaks it? Because when Jesus speaks, he's saying it for a reason. Right? So he remembers the word of Jesus and he says, Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And look what he did. He went out and he wept bitterly. He went out and he wept bitterly. So at that moment now, Peter is at the lowest point of his life. The lowest, lowest point of his life. He's down. He has denied Jesus. He feels like it's over. He is in a place of hopelessness. I don't think we can even imagine that tonight or this morning as a church. I don't think we can even imagine the shame and the guilt that he has has right now as he realized he has denied Jesus Christ, his Lord. He walked with him. He talked with him. He saw the miracles, and now he has denied him. But I want to tell you this this morning. The hope is that we serve a God who is a restorer. We serve a God who redeems. We serve a God who picks us up out of the miry clay. Amen? He picks us up when we're down. He goes to the lowest place of the lowest place, and he says, you know what? There's nothing you've done that I cannot forgive. There's nothing you've done that I cannot restore. There's no mistake you've made that I cannot bring back to me. God is a God of restores. If you go with me to John 21, I want to show you how powerfully God restores Peter. John 21. Give me an amen when you get there. John 21, verse 15. Jesus has risen from the dead now. He's coming back to visit his disciples. And it says in verse 15, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, and I love this. 
Simon, son of Jonah. You know what that means? He's talking personal to him. He says he says his he says a a personal, meaningful name to him because he's 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 addressing him not as somebody who has failed him, but as somebody he's about to restore. Amen. Simon, son of Jonah, he says, do you love me? More than these. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, feed my lambs. And then he says to him again, a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And then he says to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Then Peter was grieved. He says, because because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. See, that's the kind of relationship God wants to have with us. That we realize he knows all things. Be real with God. Lord, you know all things. You know when I've messed up. You know what I've made a mistake. You know my heart. You know what I've done wrong. You know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Lord, you know all things. He says, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. So three times Peter denies him. And three times Jesus asks him to confess him. To eliminate those three times he denied him. There was a purpose behind that. And I want to tell you this morning, no matter where you're at in your situation, marriage, financially, with your kids, with your health, there's hope. There's hope. Amen? Go to Romans chapter 15, and we'll close in Romans 15. And don't give me a better amen on that, because we're closing. I always seem to get the best amens when I say I'm closing at my church. (laughs) They go from amen to amen. (laughs) And then, of course, we do two or three closes. (laughs) That's when we, you know, that's how we do it. Y'all don't realize we were really going to close the first time. But because you guys got so excited, we change it up a little bit. Romans 15. We serve a God of hope. Before we read this, you know what people need today? They need hope. Challenge you to do what these owners would do with their, with their employees when they didn't know they were their bosses. They would talk to them. They would sit down with them and they would have a conversation with them. You know, you'd be amazed at what people would tell you if you'd listen. Now, I know some people... Some people say, man, I don't like to ask how people are doing. Because then they tell me. Now, we all have days like that, okay? We all have days like that. We're busy. We're tired. We're, you know, I, the, worst, the worst time for me is before service. I try not to talk to anybody because I'm really focused. I always have a, probably a very scary face on my, my face. I'm, I'm serious. I look like I'm mad. Even last week, I had to ask my wife to forgive me. I snapped at her because it was before service. And she asked me a question, and I snapped at her. I, I had to go before the service and say, I'm sorry, I snapped at you. 
I said, that, and then later we talked and said, it's not good to, to ask me that right before service because I'm really focused. So we have times that, you know, you say, hey, how you doing? And then you really want to pull that back because you're trying to get somewhere. And that person's like, hey, well. And they tell you how they're doing, right? It's not the, hey, I'm good. How are you? It's well. And they begin it. But there's times when you're busy, but we have to stop. You'd be amazed the difference you can make in people's lives when you'd stop and listen to them and look them in their eyes. I'm really bad with names. And I've learned the reason I'm bad with names is because I'm trying my best to look in their eyes. I'm trying my best to show that I'm listening to them, that I care, and I forget the name they say, which is bad, right? But the whole idea is people need hope. And you know what the great thing is this morning? We have the answer for every situation. We do. I can tell you without a doubt this morning, I have the answer for every question you have. It's Jesus. I have the answer for every situation you're going through this morning. It's Jesus. It's the cross. It's back to the love of the Lord. No matter what you're going through this morning, there's hope for your situation if you will just believe. Because Romans 15, 13 says, now may the God of hope Look at that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a powerful verse. That's a, that's a go-to verse right there. Amen? Musicians, you can come this morning as I'm, as I'm closing up. That's a powerful verse. How many like go-to verses? Verse you can go to that, man, this, 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 it just meets everything. Read that verse. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe this morning that there are some people here that you're in a place of hopelessness. You woke up this morning, you came here, and you said, I'm going to try this one more time. I'm going to do this one more time and see what happens. And guess what? God had this message for you, that there's hope. You know why I know we need hope? Because I read a statistic that says that every 40 seconds in the world, someone takes their life. Every 40 seconds. Why do people take their lives? Because they're hopeless. Right? You realize how many 40 seconds have passed since we got here this morning to church? Do you realize how many people have gone into eternity this morning because of hopelessness? Now watch this. I know all of us here, this isn't a message about taking your life or suicide, but I know all of us here know somebody or have somebody close to us who's taken their life. I have a very good friend, many, many years ago, took his life, very close to me. And, and if you don't know him very close, you're one or two or three people separated from, from knowing somebody who has selfishly taken their life. And if you think about when and why somebody takes their life, the only answer is they were at a place where they had no what? Hope. But how many know that in that situation of that person that you're looking at and you're 
you realize they've done something so horrible. When you look at their situation, everybody else on the outside says, that wasn't that bad. We can see from the outside, the situation is not that bad. But what the devil does is he takes our problems and he magnifies it. And he makes you think there's no way out there. All I see is darkness. I see no door. I see no light. I see no hope. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is a message of hope. We can't ever forget that as a church. We have so many things we have to talk about, so many things we need to deal with, but we can never forget the gospel is hope because every single one of us was hopeless. And in this morning, you might be here and you might be saved and you might feel hopeless. Peter was hopeless. And that's why I used Peter as an example because he was somebody who was close to Jesus and he fell as far as you can fall. Cursed and sweared. I don't know Jesus. I don't know about you. I've, I've made some mistakes, but I've never cursed and sworn that I didn't know Jesus. I mean, that's bad. Yet Jesus went to him and picked him up and said, do you love me? And we see just the other side. We see in that same, if you go back later in your time and you read that same chapter of Matthew 26, you'll see that Judas denied Jesus just like Peter. Peter was restored because his heart was hopeful and he was restorable. Judas could have done the same thing. Judas could have been restored. But Judas was at a place where he felt hopeless and he did what he, what he set out to do. So this morning, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, all I come here this morning to do is tell you there's hope. There's hope for you. There's hope for you this morning. A lot of us, when we've been down before, we've been on the ground, we've been in our lowest point we could possibly be. We've had people come along and kick us down further. That's happened to us. But there's nothing like being hopeless and having someone come along and say, there's hope for you. You can change. There's hope for your marriage. You can make it. There's hope for your family. You can be restored. There's hope for your ministry. You can still be used by God. I feel so strong in here this morning. There's some people here who feel like God can't use me anymore. I've gone in and gone out too many times. That's a lie from the devil. Your best days are ahead of you. Look at Peter's example if you don't believe that. How many this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because this morning you are hopeless without him. There is no hope without Jesus. God is the God of hope because he sent his son down to die on the cross for our sins. This morning, we ask how many all over this place, from front to back and side to side, would say, Pastor, if I died this morning, I would die hopeless. doesn't matter that you're in church. doesn't matter that you're in a, in, a, in a church building. This building doesn't save you. What saves you is a relationship with Jesus. We see that Peter walked with Jesus, yet he still denied him. Today, you have to do what Peter did to be restored and be saved. He confessed Jesus is his Lord and Savior. How many could say, that's me? Would you just put your hand up and put it right back down? I want to pray with you this morning all over this place. Say, that's me. I need Jesus this morning. Just put it up and put it down. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. How many more? God bless you. 
God bless you. Best decision you'll ever make in your life. How many more? Just a few more seconds. I'm not saved. I need Jesus this morning. Just put it up and let me see it. Put it down. God bless you, young man. God bless you, young man. God bless you, young lady. How many more? The Holy Spirit, God bless you. He's touching your heart this morning. God bless you. God bless you. Can't, you can't. You can try it. You can come to church every week. You can hold a Bible in your hand, but you have to give Jesus your, Lord, your, your life. You have to say, Jesus, I confess your Lord. Why? Because he already did everything for your hope. He did everything on the cross for you. Now, quickly, as we move on, you're here, and maybe sometime in your life, you were like Peter. You did, you did confess Jesus, but then later on, you've denied him. This morning, you're what we call backslidden. I don't care what you argue about. The Bible says God loves them and is married to the backslider. That means you can backslide. That means you can, you can run away from God. God does never, never leaves us, but we leave God. And this morning, you are, are not in good standing with God. You know that. No one has to tell you that. And the one that's been telling you the most is the devil. You're lost and you're hopeless and you can't come back. How many could say, I need to come back to my first love this morning? Put your hand. If I see your hand, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. And as you stand, I want to ask you to do one more thing. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And he did it before all those disciples. He asked Peter to confess him before all those men. Yes, Lord, I love you. If you raised your hand this morning for salvation, I want to ask you to do one more thing. Be bold. And just step out of where you're standing and where you're sitting. and Find the nearest aisle. Whether it was for salvation for the first time or restoration or rededication. I'm going to stand right here and wait for you. Just come down to this altar real quick. Just step out and come. Amen. As they come, let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Make room for them as they come. Many hands went up. Don't be afraid this morning. This is the most powerful thing you do. Is you step out and you say, I need Jesus. Come on, church. Let's help them. Let's get them out here this morning. Come on, more hands went up. Come on, young lady, don't be afraid. Amen, don't be afraid. I saw your hand. God saw your hand. Amen, praise God. Praise God. Amen. That decision can be real this morning. We're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to sing a song, and we're, we're going to do a sinner's prayer in just a second. But I also want to open up the altar this morning for, for someone who might be here this morning and just feel hopeless. And as we begin to pray, God knows your situation. I want everybody this morning to leave this place with hope. I want everybody to leave this place saying, you know what? I can bury the past. I can bury what happened already. I can start fresh. I can start new. I can start over this morning. So as we sing a song this morning, we're going to open up these altars. If you need prayer this morning, we're here to pray. Our pastors, our leaders are here. We're going to pray for you this morning. There's hope for you today. Because he lives, I can face my situation. I can face tomorrow. Come on, let's spend just a few moments. It's early this morning. Let's spend a few moments at the altar. Let's, let's receive that correction from the Lord. and let's, let's get right with God. Let's do it before we have to fall. Let's do it before we have to go back to to old ways, before we have to be hurt. 